for a little something extra from the apple seed. And now, here's your host, Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to have you with us for a little something extra here in the podcast. You know, just about every day, we bring you a full hour-long episode of the show filled with stories for you and your family, and also something a little bit extra here that you can only find in the podcast, and it's usually just a few minutes long in case you've only got a few minutes and you want to fill it with a great story or a great conversation with a storyteller in the case of today's Appleseed Extra. In the full episode of the show today, you heard a terrific story from a favorite of ours, Willie Claflin. And his uh, his sharing of the story, the George Washington method for blues ukulele. Not a lot of historical accuracy in the story, but plenty of hilarity. Willie was kind enough to sit down in a conversation with us. He from his home in the Bay Area and us from the Appleseed Studio. And we wanted to bring you part of that conversation now. It started with the question, what kind of kid grows up to be storyteller Willie Claflin? Well, an only child, uh, a child who grew up with a highly eccentric father who had memorized large passages of literature. He was quite fond of Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, and he would impress upon me, especially when I was 9, 10, 11, and 12 years old, I would say, well, this is a strange story. And he said, well, never doubt the possibility of the arrival of a dystopia. He always used words like that, and I'd say, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, governments have been known to ban books and destroy books, and his favorite part of Fahrenheit 451 was that there was a crew of individuals who had dedicated themselves to memorizing as much literature and history as possible, as many books as possible, as many works as possible, so that when the government destroyed the books, as they were in the process of doing, that the, the literature and the history would live on. I mean, a big impression upon me. He also uh, read to me almost every evening before I went to bed, stuff like uh, Kipling's Just So Stories, and a lot of... He loved nonsense. He loved Edward Lear's Book of Nonsense. He loved Uh Alice in Wonderland. He loved um, Pogo, Walt Kelly's Pogo, and he loved making up parodies. And then, so he would tuck me in at night, and then very, very often... Um, I was scared because I thought I had a wolf under my bed. I grew up in this little town in the woods called Wolfboro, and it wasn't really named after wolves, but I thought it was. It was named after General Wolf, but um, I thought I had a wolf under my bed, and I'd get scared, and I'd call for my father. He'd come down the hallway, and he'd tell me these stories that he made up every evening. So it was a very natural thing for me as a child to hear stories, to have stories read to me, to have stories made up at my bedside, And in addition, my mother played word games, games of skill, language games. They were her favorite things to do. And so from as early as I can remember, I was in competition with my mother to think of, you know, 10 words that in 10 different categories that begin with the letter S in five minutes. And and she never let me win. And uh, so I got to be very, very competitive and very sharp at thinking quickly with words both on the literary end, uh, storytelling end from my father's side and on my mother's side just because she loved these intricate word games and puzzles. Yeah. It was almost as if they'd trained me. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) storytelling didn't exist as a profession by the name we now know it then, but I realized looking back they could not have possibly trained me any better. 
You, yeah, you, it, it's clear that you come from people who fostered a real sort of affinity for, for the literature of the world and, and certainly uh, uh, storytelling, you know. And, and just a love of language yeah. in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we, I I remember being in high school and hearing a, a a poet come and speak to my English class, and he said, "Don't don't become a poet because you have great things to say. Become a poet because you're in love with with words." You know, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think love of, love of language. Yeah, is at the center of everything I do. And I was because there were a lot of parodies that were celebrated in my household. I learned to play with language. I was it was a toy, and it was like something you could experiment with. Yeah. Well, what, did, did that codify itself into actual games? What were some of the language games that you played? You mentioned, you know, car games. Uh, I packed my grandmother's trunk, and I guess it's an alphabet game. It's a cumulative game. I guess there are many versions of this, and you you may be familiar with this too. Many people are from back in the days before, you know, when when everybody didn't have their own, you know, self-contained entertainment sure, systems yeah. in the car. Everybody was in there together. and um, So I packed my grandmother's trunk as an alphabet game, just for those of you that don't know. And the game goes, and it was a ritual. You had to say, I packed my grandmother's trunk, and in it I put, and the first person would say something beginning with A, an ant, and the right. second person then had to say, I packed my grandmother's trunk, and in it I put an ant and a bumblebee, and yeah. so forth, back and forth and back and forth. Of course, by the time you got up to the the last quarter of the alphabet, it was hard to remember all the things that had gone in the trunk up to that point. But that, of course, was the object of the game, right? Is not only to add something new, but to remember everything. Just to get all the way through to the end. And so it allowed, it was also, it was a a language test. It was a memory test. And also, as I grew more familiar with the game, it was fun because you could put things that were incongruous in the trunk. Yeah. Uh, the lessons we learn. The lessons we learn, right. <laughs> Just part of my conversation with the great storyteller Willie Claflin from Maine, now living in the Bay Area in California. And whether you hear Willie Claflin on stage sharing stories and singing songs by himself or with his storytelling companion, the puppet Maynard Moose, and experience listening to a Willie Claflin story is always unforgettable. We're happy to have brought many of them to the Appleseed. And again, we invite you to check out the George Washington Method for Blues Ukulele in the full hour-long episode of the Appleseed that we posted today. You can find it where you found this Appleseed Extra. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and of course, you can find us just about every day, and we urge you to uh, subscribe to the podcast for something new delivered right to your mobile device, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time for more stories and more tellers on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining us for a little something extra from the Appleseed. Google the Appleseed podcast and subscribe for something new just about every day. The Appleseed with Sam Payne.